is your award-winning BCFM on 93.2, 24 hours a day. Good morning and welcome to One Love, One Planet, the award-winning environmental radio show here on BCFM, where we talk all things environmental in Bristol, the UK and the rest of the world. My name is Shona Jamfrey and I'm presenting this programme for several months while the amazing Penny Southgate has a very well-deserved rest and recharges her batteries. And today we have not one but two interviews for you. One interview with a Bristol-born winemaker who's pioneering a new, more environmentally friendly wine bottle that reduces carbon emissions. And an interview with a father and daughter duo who took part in a protest at St. Werberg's Primary School, all about clean air and against car idling. So welcome to One Love, One Planet. Thank you for joining us and settle in for what is sure to be an interesting hour. And today we have a very special interview with a Bristol-born winemaker who is trying to revolutionise the winemaking industry and make it more carbon friendly. So we've got Philip Cox from Cremele Rikash. Hi, Philip. How are you today? Hi, good morning. I'm very good. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Lovely. Thank, yeah, thanks for joining us. So, yeah, you are, um, you're now based in Romania working on all these wines, but you're from Bristol originally. Is that right? That's right. I was born in Brislington and lived there until I was about 18. And then I did went to school up in London. And since I've been about 25, I came to Romania and founded a huge winery. It wasn't huge when I founded it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So, yeah, tell us a bit about um, how you got into it and about this new project that's trying to make wine bottles more eco-friendly. So we've been I've been making wine since the like the early nineteen nineties over here in Romania and our company in that time has grown to be the biggest, actually the biggest winery in the country now and the biggest exporter. And it's a very big success. Makes about thirty million bottles of wine a year. Oh my goodness, that's loads. It's a big amount of wine. It got very big, bigger than I expected. <laughs> and goes all over the world, including to the UK and another 26 other countries all over the place and we have our own vineyard of 1,200 hectares which is like two and a half thousand acres if you're thinking in acres and um yeah we've we've really started the whole thing because we've been having quite a lot of problems with the weather in the last few years it's been getting more and more extreme oh so like the, the weather affecting your vineyards has been getting worse and yeah worse. We're farmers, so we we feel that happening first. And um, so we've been having a lot of very hot, ultra-hot years, like 40 degrees centigrade for long periods of time, droughts. We've had hail, we've had awful winters with very cold temperatures. So a lot of, a lot of volatility in the weather. And that's difficult for growing anything really difficult for grapes yeah so, and difficult to predict and then it affects the quality of the wine as well i'm sure it affects everything yeah quantity quality so we've been looking into that and the demand for our customers to be more aware of the environment is very strong so we've been we did a lot of things like we turned all of our wines vegan two or three years ago. We started producing a lot of organic wines. Well, how, wines. how do you turn wine vegan? Because, I mean, maybe for people who aren't familiar with the winemaking process, it sounds like wines should be vegan anyway because they're made of grapes. Exactly. Well, it's one of the reasons we write it on the label because people don't always realize that <laughs> not all wine is vegan. Some people use like egg whites and 
milk powder and a few other things to clean it up. But there are ways to get around that and there are lots of ways to make wine more eco-friendly. So we've been trying to do that. And we're doing lately our carbon neutral certification. And we found that the huge problem, much more than anything we do in the farming, is the bottles. The bottles, glass bottles, are half of our carbon footprint, 45% to be more precise. So that really was like a wake-up call to us, to me, because um, we try really hard with the farming and, you know, not using irrigation and trying to reduce spraying, reduce ingredients into wine. But then we have a huge problem with the bottles, which is, and, it, and it's directly affecting us. It's making every ounce of carbon we produce, makes the weather get worse, which makes our job more difficult. So, um, yeah, we've been looking at what we can do about that, trying to explore alternative ways of packaging wine. Yeah, because how come it's, um, how come wine bottles are so, I don't know, is there, how come they're so carbon intensive? Because people will think, oh, well, they're glass, glass gets recycled, so it's more carbon friendly than alternatives. But you're saying that even actually making the wine bottles themselves normally is quite carbon intensive. Uh, Exactly, it's, one of the many things where what people think is not actually what <laughs> it's not actually true. Glass is a I love glass. It's very beautiful and it looks nice, but it is really not carbon friendly. It's the reason for that is because all glass factories are huge, massive industrial complexes. They have to keep working twenty four hours a day, three hundred and sixty five years days a year. They have to keep molten inside 1,500 degrees centigrade. They literally cannot turn them off because the whole thing just certifies. Oh, I didn't realize that. that. So like when the glass factories have to be running 24-7 because if they cool off, then the glass will just stop being molten. And they have to demolish it and build it again. (laughs) It literally destroys their factory if they stop it. So so it's it's hugely, hugely, hugely energy consuming. That's what I was trying to say. They just consume an enormous amount of energy to keep the thing molten. And it's also very unflexible. They, 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 they have to produce in huge quantities all the time. They don't like changing to different types of bottles or lighter bottles or using more standardized shapes. They, 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 um, it's very inefficient. And it, also, they're heavy even when they're made. So they use a lot of energy energy making them, and even more energy transporting them around. So from the factory to our winery, from the winery to your local supermarket, and even later on when people take it and recycle it, that also uses a lot of energy and fuel because they're heavy. The glass has to be crushed up. It has to be separated. So it's it's kind of like the more you do with it, the more carbon it emits because it's heavy that. That's the main reason. It's heavy and it uses a lot of energy to make. Uh, this is amazing. I hadn't even thought about all of this, but when you're saying it, it makes a lot of sense. It's like, yes, of course, glass is really heavy, so that takes more energy to transport it. So what's kind of the solution that you've come up with or that you're exploring? Well, I don't claim to be <laughs> the, have all the solutions to everything, but we're looking, a lot of, we're looking at some different um, technologies that are available right now. We'd be glad if more came along in the future. So the most promising one that I've found is using recycled PET bottles, 
which are pretty standard kind of PET plastic, but they're made from material which has been pulled out of local rivers and the sea. So we're quite close to the Black Sea and the Danube River here. So they've they've already taken this plastic out of the environment and they've developed a way of making a sort of barrier in it. So it keeps the wine good for a couple of years. It's like an oxygen membrane which stops air from getting into the bottle. So it's it's like a quite a sophisticated plastic bottle made of made of um, recycled plastic instead. Yeah, it's quite it's it's basically looks the same as a wine bottle, which was something we wanted. We didn't want it to be something that looks totally different, like for example cans or kegs or whatever other technologies there are. We wanted it to look like a wine bottle, but be rigid enough to be able to pour decently and to work on winery bottling equipment because. We need to convince all the wineries in the world to use it. I don't. Nobody wants to buy expensive new equipment to fill them up. So it does work on works on all the equipment we have already. It works in the distribution chain we already have anyway. at the moment. You know, wine fridges, wine shelves in supermarkets. It's the same size. You would have a very hard hard time spotting it on a shelf that is made out of plastic. And then the main thing with it is, is around eight to ten times less carbon emission than than a glass bottle. It's it's 50 grams, the empty bottle, compared to 500 grams for a regular glass bottle. So it's literally a tenth of the weight of a glass bottle. Ten times later, you can fit 30% more wine in a truck from here to the UK. It will be about 20,000 bottles of glass. And this material, this plastic, we can fit 33,000. Amazing. So More wine so coming to the UK. Le- Great. Oh well, yeah. Less less diesel, less less CO2 emissions, cheaper for everybody. It's actually cheaper and as it, well. And it still looks very you know, pe- what people want when they buy a bottle of wine. It still looks very yeah. elegant, very nice, very pretty. It looks good. It looks to me it looks the same as a glass bottle. When you see it, you don't notice a difference until you pick it up. Wow. It's already made out of recycled materials, so it's not contributing to the problem of plastics in the environment is you know it's like you already made it out of recycling it can be recycled again as many times as you want and um it's environmentally friendly they're working on improving it they're working on a biodegradable version which we hope to have in a couple of years which will be even better because then it doesn't really matter if people don't recycle it because it will break down you know that's that's amazing yeah that's even better so yeah, people thinking a bit mad for doing this. You know, wine is a very kind of I won't say snobby, but it it has a lot of traditions and a lot of um, yeah, rituals and things. But you know, we're we're the ones that are affecting our own our own production, our own agriculture. If we, if we don't do something about it, we don't think anyone else is. So we're trying this, and so far the results have been very encouraging. Amazing. And yeah, sort of what sort of reception have you had from people who've been testing out the wine bottles? Like where, what what are your sort of next steps that you want? So we've been doing all the technical testing first of all. We've, we've made sure that it doesn't affect the wine in any way. It doesn't stop it tasting as good. Um, we've figured out that it's good for up to about three years of storing the wine. It doesn't, it doesn't affect the storage of it for most wines. Probably not ideal for wines you want to keep for like 20 years. 
Yeah, yeah, we've done all the technical testing. We've made sure that it's, you know, the plastic is not entering into the wine. It's not dangerous. It's approved by all the EU and UK laws. And then we've been testing it with customers. We've had it in a couple of supermarkets to see customer reactions over in Germany. And so far, it's been pretty good. And we've been talking to a lot of our customers about it, trying to get them to buy it. And the most, so far, the most, um, I think the ones which will do it first are two groups of customers. One is catering companies and people that do outdoor events like wedding, sports events, festivals, where you need to have no glass. And also online companies which send, send products by courier or by post. They're very interested in it because uh, imagine sending out millions of bottles by post is really using a lot of, it's creating a lot of carbon, using a lot of fuel. And it's quite, wine and, and it's quite and expensive as well, I imagine, to send expensive, out heavier yeah. packages by post. Exactly. Having the wine 10 times, 10 times lighter bottle is a big help and it doesn't break. So they don't need to have all that complicated polystyrene or foam or whatever to wrap it up. So we're looking at all those things. And I think that will be the first direction it goes in. And then I think it will end up in supermarkets too at some point when they, when they decide that it's going to be more important the environmental aspects than um, the sort of tradition and the rituals of it. <clears throat> Amazing. And so, yeah, I'm, I know that you probably can't say many details, but I heard that you're in talks with some UK suppliers about making it more available in supermarkets over here. Is that right? Yep. Some of the big supermarkets and a couple of the big, the really big online wine sellers. I, I'm pretty confident that one of them will start doing it quite soon <laughs> oh exciting um yeah so if people want to find out more um or is there where would they go is there a way to order this wine yet or do we have to kind of wait we'll have to wait and see and maybe they'll, pick... have, they'll have to wait a little uh... bit it's, it's early days we, we wanted to make sure that a we took a long time to design the bottles to make them look the same as last and b we've been testing them carefully because we don't want to have any you know, adverse, <laughs> find out that something's wrong with it later on. Absolutely. Now we're happy with it. Now we're just trying to sell it. Amazing. So if people want to find out more information, um, where would they go? Like where's where's the best find place to find you online? We can look on all the social media channels. It's it's Kramele Rekash EU. C-R-A-M-E-L-E-R-E-C-A-S-E-U. And we're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. That's the best place. Yeah. Amazing. And maybe you, yeah, people could be writing to their local supermarkets saying, oh, you should definitely be in yes. looking into this because we really we want to have this option available. We hate glass. And also because I think it will make economic sense too because since the war has started and energy costs have become a huge issue for everybody, it's also an economic problem now because glass is one of the highest energy users that's costing a lot for them glass bottles have doubled in price in the last year also the effects of the war a lot of materials that made in used for glass making come from ukraine or russia so we literally can't get enough glass bottles at the moment and they're getting very expensive so that's another reason to look at it but it's not the main reason the main reason is 
the environment and looking after our weather so that we can look after our vineyards. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to leave us with, Philip? Any final words? Uh, just say hi to other people in Bristol. I haven't been there for a long time. <laughs> my mother is there, my brother. Oh. And uh, I'll be back soon. And oh. they can, basically any Romanian wine they can find in the supermarkets is there. There is from me, so. Oh, so so if people find Romanian wine in the supermarkets, then maybe they can find these these bottles as well. Well, at the moment they're in glass bottles, but okay. we are working hard to working convince hard. them all to oh, take okay. in plastic bottles. So people want to, if people, yeah, so people can go check out your wine in the glass bottles, and hopefully the plastic bottles are coming exactly. soon. Amazing. Yes. Oh well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great to have you on, and yeah, we'll definitely follow that with interest. Thank you very much. Have a great week. This is your award-winning BCFM on 93.2, 24 hours a day. So today we have a very special interview with a father and daughter duo, Adam and 10-year-old Peggy, who are going to tell us all about a protest that happened at Peggy's school recently. Good morning, guys. How are you? Morning. Hi. Yeah, lovely. So, um, Adam and Peggy, can you tell us uh, what what school was this and what was the protest all about? Uh, it was at St. Warburg's Primary School and it was all about um, Green Team doing a protest about stopping idling. Okay, so what, what sort of idling in the car? Yes, yeah, so idling cars right by the school. Lovely. And the green team, so is that a group of people at the school who are pushing for like um, cleaner air and other like environmental issues? Yeah, we're pushing for a greener planet, exactly. Yeah. Amazing. So what what did the protest involve? What did it look like? So we um, painted 150 balloons that were cardboard. And um, the reason is because if you idle in your cars for one minute that creates enough fumes to fill 150 balloons just one minute oh my goodness that's loads so so you and your school friends you got together and you painted you cut out and you painted all these balloons and then what did you do with them so we um made like uh we put sticks against them so we could um carry them all along the school to um the other site so St. Werberg's, uh, there's yeah. a site, Willow site for Key Stage 2. And Key Stage 1 is about, I'd say, 500 yards down the road. Yeah, so we walked that um, back and forth. We walked down as a group, making lots of noise. We had a, a few other banners. Do you remember what the other banners said? Yeah. Um, switch up the, the chant yeah. that we did, switch off so we don't, don't cough. cough. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was the kids and then some of the parents and teachers all walking down the road with these banners chanting switch off so we don't cough exactly yeah, yeah. there was the green team is like a, an after school club uh, of, of key stage two student uh, pupils and we've also got a green families group which is um just basically parents that want to support the green team on their kind of sustainability and eco education journey at school so we all got together and we we kind of made a lot of noise and walked down on the pavement didn't we yeah um later on uh like a day later me and my mum walked back down to school and we saw the difference it made we saw a lot more cars not idling we saw yeah oh so you saw like some 
you could tell that a lot more drivers had turned their engines off while they were waiting in traffic. Exactly. Yeah, it was amazing, actually. Yeah, very interesting. That's so encouraging. And yeah, is that the first time you've sort of done something like that, Peggy, or you've gone out and sort of done chanting and making a protest? Um, I think we've done it before as a green team. Yeah, we've definitely done it at least once before. But um, I think this has been the biggest one so far, definitely, out of the two. Because it was so visual and it was so much fun. It was a really great atmosphere for all the young people. Um, It was a big group, wasn't it, in the end? How many would you say, like? Maybe 100. I think it was a little bit less. I think it it was between 50 and 100, though, definitely. Yeah. And you've done, you went, we went to see Greta when she came, Greta Thunberg when she came, didn't you? So you've done some of the bigger marches that have happened in town. Amazing. And this might be a stupid question, but why does it matter if people breathe in like, um, you know, fumes from cars? Why does that matter if that happens around a school? Um, I think that it's just, it's something that doesn't need to happen. Like driving your cars, I know it's, it's really useful at times and some people really need to do it but idling anyone can stop like right on the spot yeah so it's something that I, maybe drivers just forget that they yeah. that is causing a problem and yeah like you said is it just even for idling for a minute and it fills up 150 balloons of fumes I didn't know it was that bad we had a few uh, students a few pupils in green team saying that when they come in on their bikes, sometimes they can feel the difference in their lungs, you know, the amount of um, the amount of fumes they're breathing in. And there's a lot of research which says that, um, yeah, to have cars that close to young people who are walking to and from school is, is really potentially really damaging. Um, so I think what we're thinking next is we're going to do um, a little bit of a, a survey of cars uh, when they are um, when they're idling outside the school. And what we, I think what we'd really like to do is speak to the council or get involved with the council to see if we could get some signs up, maybe with exactly. like you, you, guys, um, you guys designing them or something like that, so that we can, talk, we, we can remind drivers on a more regular basis to switch off. Exactly, that'll be perfect. Well, that sounds amazing. Yeah, well, um, thanks so much, guys. I mean, what, is there any, any last words or anything you'd like to say if any drivers are listening right now and maybe stuck in traffic and idling? Uh, I just say that if you like anybody right now could easily turn it off. So if you notice right now that your car engine is on while um, you're in traffic or the lights are on, then just try and stop that. And if you see anyone else or your friends doing that, you should tell them, remind them. Amazing. Thanks, Adam. Any, any last words from you or any last thoughts? Well, just the next things we're going to do, the green team is working really hard to get some uh, get some accreditation through school and we're trying to become a, a street for school as well, which would mean that the, the road outside school would partially get closed off potentially for a short period of time each day. But we're just working hard. There's a bike week later in the year. We're doing a survey and we're going to continue doing the uh, balloon protest just to draw attention to the fact that um, this thing is happening in our neighbourhood and affects young people and parents walking to and from school amazing well thanks so much guys that's really inspiring and um you know maybe some people listening will be inspired to do something similar with their own schools and draw attention to it so yeah have a lovely rest of your day and thank you so much for chatting to us you're you're welcome nice to speak with you yeah thank you for having us 
This is the podcast version of One Love, One Planet, the award-winning environmental radio show, broadcast every Tuesday at 11am on BCFM Radio, available on 93.2 FM, on digital radio and on the BCFM website. The show was produced and presented by Shona Jemfrey. You can find us on Twitter at Shona Jemfrey and at BCFM Radio.